HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Fairway Market, like no other market, a New York City institution that sells the best local, national, and international artisan foods for prices that can't be beat. For more information, visit fairwaymarket.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome back to The Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. In the studio today, I'm very happy to have the master distiller of one of my favorite Scotch whiskeys, the Dalmore, Richard Patterson. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you. It's great to have you here. Um, so let's get started. I mean, you've been with the Dalmore for a while, right? Those will be 43 years and this month, actually. Yes. That's amazing. I don't. I, I'm, I'm lucky if I get to drink a scotch that old. <laughs> that's that's such a cool job to have. I mean, well, a lot of changes over the years, but uh, I have to say, you know, all that time I'm still enjoying it, even perhaps even more now. Actually, yeah, it's great. I mean, it's one of my. Uh, I ever since I was a kid and like kind of just intrigued by. I, I say ever since I was a kid. That's probably not a good thing for my mom to hear right now. But uh, I've always been intrigued by. Uh, uh, spirits and cocktails and uh, the process of distillation and brewing and winemaking. And to me, it's always been like a dream job to be a master distiller of a whiskey distillery. So it must be a really great pleasure for you. Well, it, it sort of runs in the blood because uh, my father and my grandfather were in the whiskey business. But I have to say, it's uh, suggested that my great-great-grandfather, Sir William Patterson, uh, he actually established the Bank of England on uh, Thursday, the 26th of July, 1694. Wow. So he liked the smell of money. Uh, <laughs> but it was my father and my grandfather, they liked the smell of whiskey. And when I was eight years old with my uh, younger brother, actually my twin brother to be precise. Oh, I'm a twin as well. Well, there you are, a snap. <laughs> so he took me to, my father wanted to show me uh, his world. So he took us down to the warehouses in Glasgow. And I'll never forget because, you know, we're young at the time. It wasn't of any interest, but the noise of the city was quite loud, actually. And he took us up to the Stockwell Lane. He got a hold of the doors and forced them open, and we went into the warehouse. And as soon as we went in there, there was not nothing. There was just silence. But what I could see from the 
darkness within the silhouettes of the casks. So naturally, we, this was a new world to us. So we started fooling around, which, of course, annoyed my father intensely. <laughs> so eventually he said to me, if you think it's so funny, Richard, why don't you tell me something about this whiskey? And he actually took a glass like this and uh, he actually poured me a whiskey and he said, what do you think of this? And I said, I don't know what you mean, Dad. And that's when he took his hand and he hit me in the back of the head. He said, you're not thinking. I want you to smell the whiskey. Is it as heavy as your grandfather, is it as light as your mother, or is it as sweet as your chocolate bar that you're eating just now, or is it as dry in the dust on the floor? So from that, I could actually see the whiskey was very dark and it had that sweetness, not like my chocolate bar, but it was round and it was mellow. And that's the, really the beginnings of the whiskey. I didn't taste it at that time, but it gave me something that opened my world up and I've never really looked back since. Yeah, that's an amazing story. I, especially like being so young and impressionable, and like having having that kind of insight uh, template really to start out and the yeah. way of thinking and approaching and observing. This is so important because when you see any liquid, whether it be a beer or a, a white spirit or or a brown spirit, you must actually look at the whiskey. What am I drinking? Well, why don't you smell it? Because as soon as you smell it. All these nuances come to the forefront, like a woman's perfume, like food, like your own cocktails. What are you smelling here? And people out there are just simply not interested. Let's just drink it. But if you smell it and it, all these wonderful nuances and flavors come to you, then you appreciate it. And then you can ask yourself, why does it smell of marzipan, wood, licorice, cinnamon, spice? Because of the woods, because of this and that. And it makes it, to my mind, personally speaking, much more entertaining and you begin to own that, you know, that whiskey. So all the Dalmores, the Duras, the White Mackay blends, I love them, I own them, but they're part of my body, if you want to put it that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's building, like, I feel like with making cocktails, with cooking for someone, with distilling a whiskey, you're really building an experience for someone. Yeah, and, and, and then taking that experience, just as what you've said, one of your fabulous cocktails, where did we have it? We had it one Friday night. Oh, is that right? Yes, my uh, fiancé said, I will marry you, you know, I will get <laughs> married. And you've made that sort of moment with that cocktail something for the rest of your life you'll always remember it was the perfect time to pop the question it was the perfect time to drink this whiskey to celebrate and it makes it very special nice when you took over as the master distiller for the Dalmore, what were your intentions were, were you trying to continue the legacy or did you want to push the envelope so to speak? well i have to be honest with you when i when i joined white Mackay, Dalmore Dewar and all that way back in 1970 uh Dalmore had been purchased by the company in 1960 and it wasn't till by 1975 I started to get underway but you've got to remember more than anything Damon because when we talk about single malts in 1975 we talk about Glenfiddich being first introduced in 1964 nobody was drinking whiskey it was blended whiskey especially over here in the market and still accounts for 92 percent of the whiskey market so when I took over I started to look at these whiskies I started to train to uh, go to the distilleries, find out about the distillation process. But then I started to look at the different casks, what we're maturing in. And when we started bottling in the 70s, they had already been in for many years, but they were just labels. They were, there was an identity of the whiskey Dalmore. But what I wanted to do was to bring it to a forefront to give a, a real identity, a real 
uh, expression of that DNA, which we call really chocolate orange. Chocolate orange, when you smell Dalmore as a single malt, is what we're looking for. But it has to be dressed in the finest clothes, and that clothes is American white oak to begin with. And then, of course, I go to a place called Jaretta La Frontera to bring my sherry cast. So the sherry introduction started slowly, but it was really not until the uh, late 80s, beginning of the 90s, that I really formulated a classic, uh, really a, a classic sort of ratio of American white oak and sherries. But today, as we go into, you know, the to, you know, 2013, 14 and beyond, we are looking at so many different wood styles to give us different nuances. Why? Because here in New York, you've got the Whiskey Festival that's been going on for nearly 15 years. Mm-hmm. You guys out here demand... You, you must give something different, something that they're going to evoke conversation. And therefore, a 12-year-old Dalmore is not enough for people. You have to have, like the King Alexander here, the only whiskey in the world, 1992, with six different finishes of port, Madeira, Marsala, Cabernet Sauvignon, and small batch bourbon. So they have to be innovative. But I will quickly say to you, when you get the wood, it mustn't dominate it. It must only add to it. The DNA of that classic style must always come through. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's amazing to me, like especially when you go, like you, you mentioned just before, about like going to, like, say, Whiskey Fest and trying all the new products. When you're there, like, it, it can be quite overwhelming. There's so many, and it's it's a really exciting time. I, I I always say this on the show. I feel like I'm I'm a broken record sometimes, but I feel like it's just like the every day is the most exciting time for our industry. It keeps growing and expanding, and uh, the customer base and the enthusiasm keeps growing and growing. So we're in a really great spot. You know, I would say you know, 15 years ago, or like you said, you know, in the early 70s, we weren't in such a great spot as far as like a craft distillate. But it's really great these days, and like so for say the the introductory like the introduction for a customer that doesn't know necessarily so much about Scotch. What would you turn them on to as far as as I've, far as like, I've, al- I've always education is has always been my. I, I go by the saying knowledge is power. Fifteen fifty five, way back to that era when the executive stops learning, he's finished. It's all about bringing that over. So when we produce a, a single malt or even a blended whiskey, I always say to the consumer, look at it. And the first thing you must do is actually make sure number one, get the right glass. There are many different glasses. When we started um, way back, it was the Paris goblet glass. Even here in the states, you know, you swirled it around. Next thing, it's all down your front. Yeah. It was absolutely useless. And then we've got Glencairn and Crystal in the eighties coming along, producing their blenders glass. And as I look at it here, I'm now up to nearly twelve million glasses have been produced, and this is ideal for the consumer. So when they pick it up, what are they doing? They're holding the whiskey. They must smell it, but smell it. Take your time. And then when you come to drink it, sorry, once again, when I think of uh, America, I think of the early cowboy films. The guy kicks the saloon door open. What do you want? A whiskey. And then he knocks it back. He shoots it back. That sort of era still remembered by a lot of people here. They shoot it. So I say to people, what have you drunk there? A whiskey. And what did it taste like? What? What did it taste like? I don't know. I shot it back. So that's when I slap their face, you know, because you say, why did you do that? Because if I actually hold the whiskey in your mouth from the top of the tongue, underneath the tongue, back in the middle, and think of what's the age? Is it 12, 15, 20? Well, if it's 20 years old, hold it for 20 seconds in your 
tongue. And by holding that length, you'll tease out the flavors. Same with your dinner tonight. Your wife, your husband or whatever cooks the dinner, takes hours creating it. You swallow it. How is the taste? I don't know. That is just such an insult. You must chew it, chew it, chew it. And then you extract the flavors. And it makes it so much better and brings better awareness to that single malt. But they're all different, I can tell you that. Oh, yeah. You know, I think it's cool, too. Uh, I, one of my biggest things, uh, I know you don't know this about me, but I, I just love specific glassware for different drinks. And the, the whiskey tasting glass is, for the listeners out there that you know obviously can't see, it's a very short-stemmed uh, tulip glass that comes up. And just in the same way that when you drink champagne out of a flute or out of a coupe, you know, the, it's, uh, the flute keeps the bubbles concentrated yes. and the aromatics there. And then the wider coupe lets it open up. So if you have something with a really big bubble, you open it up, it'll fizz out so it's not so harsh going down. And if you have something with a really fine, like, champagne, like a grower champagne that's kind of, like, super yeasty and tiny, like, champagne bubble, it keeps it together. So that's really what you're going for with this glassware. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I have to say we obviously share the same, you know, likes because this... Again, the, the Copa Capita glass that uh, was used from Spain. Unfortunately, this is the Sherry glass, S-H-E-R-R-Y, Sherry glass. This was used by the Sherry makers. Mm-hmm. And the stem that my father started was not too long as this, but it's actually shorter. But my grandfather, it was even shorter. But it still had the tulip shape. But what really gets to me is that when you go to these wine festivals and even whiskey festivals, you'll see people going like this. And I said, what are you doing? You've got to get the whiskey glass right into your nose. You block it off and you move it from one nostril to the other. But you must take your time. The slower you do it and the angle that you take it will open up. It's when people hold it down almost to their, you know, their chins and say, what are you doing? I'm smelling the aroma. No, actually, you're not. (laughs) You're missing so many of these aromas. But when you take it in there and block the nose off it and move it over, it will really open up. And it will open up to that world that will be much more exciting but you've got to give it the time i see a lot of people almost snorting it you gotta yeah. just breathe just yeah. breathe you yeah know? <laughs> I, I i when i'm when i'm doing presentations one thing i always do is get a, a lady's hand it's an excuse probably to hold her hand but, <laughs> but when you pick it up and you say in the olden days you used to kiss a woman's hand especially in europe but when you kissed their hand it wasn't a it was a it was a caress it was a just a touch because the 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 softer you touched it made it more effective and the mannerly way it should have been done and that's exactly the same with the whiskey you must smell it gently don't go like this you know because you're just going to miss out so many of these aromas but just do it softly gently and it'll all come away I think for, with people like you educating us, I mean, we're definitely in a good place. You know, we're. I think as as a culture, especially, uh, you know, eating more responsibly, drinking more responsibly, living more responsibly. I think it's 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 of the utmost urgency to educate the, these these styles of uh, enjoying it. You know, stop and enjoy it. Don't don't rush through it, like you said. Don't take shots. Yeah. I mean, I can't say that I've never taken a shot of whiskey in my life. <laughs> um, uh, and you know what? I I, I I probably enjoyed some of them, but I always enjoyed it a little bit more, or quite a bit more, when yeah. I actually sat there and enjoyed it. Because again, going back to it, some of my favorite moments, especially with Scotch whiskey, are sitting there, maybe you know, with a friend, listening to some music, sipping on it, enjoying it, 
and just kind of wasting away the day with a really nice crafted spirit. Yeah. And- that That is so important because you, you said a good point. When you start off a conversation with a lady or a man or what have you, you're drinking, the first thing I will always look at is their eyes. Now, if you're drinking, say, how's the political situation here in America? And I see them blink, uh, immediately know, wait a minute, this, this whiskey's too strong. They've just blinked. They're telling me I'm no longer listening to you. I'm, I'm thinking about whiskey, never mind the political situation. And that's when you have to say, would you like some water, you know? Don't hesitate to have a little water to reduce it down, to make it accept for your palate. Because what you must both do is when you're enjoying it with a friend is put it in there and think, hmm, yeah, this is really good. This is what drinking whiskey with the people you love is all about. But if you're squirming and scratching or what have you, then it's lost. So it has to be the way that you like it. And I have to say whether you like it, whether there's horrible stuff called ice or, or you know, a mixer, it's, enti- it's what you enjoy at the end of the day. But, you know, if I've taken, you know, 30, 40 years to create a whiskey, I, I'll ask it just a wee bit respect with it. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with it. My thing is, um, you know, and I think you feel the same way. It's like with whiskey, it's one thing to dilute it with water, but your palate really kind of closes up you know it's with certain things like sake for instance it you want it to be chilled it actually you get more on the taste buds with with sake when it's chilled and that's the, like for a fine sake but for a whiskey you know the, and even like gins you know like you see a lot of like british gins that are at different proof levels yeah and it they're that way for a reason that's right you want the right attack you know the right amount of attack you know and heat on it with the botanicals that are in there, just like with whiskey, you want the the right amount. And you're actually at a different proof level, aren't you? Yes, I, I'm. It's a really Not good point. Right? Uh, we I try and vary uh, the temp, uh, the you know the proofs, the actual strengths of the whiskey. A good example would be the Constellation Collection, which we introduced on the first of May last year. Twenty one bottles, all at natural strength, natural color. As much as I love them, and obviously it's a, it's a, you know two hundred fifty thousand dollars around that. You know for that collection is a lot of money. However, the Harrods um, Dalmore Patterson collection, only 12 bottles, working with Nick Fleming, one thing we did over maybe a two-week period was to look at the absolute ideal strengths. Now, this was from 1926, you know, up to the 90s, but each whiskey of these 12 bottles is reduced down to 41, 42, 44. The, the, I think the most the strongest one is about 49% alcohol. But when you taste them, they're ready for drinking. They are the most perfect styles for drinking there and then. You don't need to reduce them. They're ready to drink, and they are absolutely perfect. Even when we looked at one or two degrees, it was just amazing to see the difference that could be brought by just adjusting it to the, to the right uh, strength. Well, you know, all this talk about this whiskey and drinking it and uh, enjoying it the way you want it, we're going to have to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to break open those bottles, okay? <laughs> thought you'd never ask. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be back in just a moment with Richard Patterson, Master Distiller of the Dalmore. Back in a moment. Hi, I'm Steve Jenkins from Fairway Markets. 
I've devoted my idiot career to the old ways, the old recipes, the old tools, the old geography of where serious foods come from for centuries. And I've strived to make these wonderful things available to New Yorkers for 37 years. So it's a fait accompli for us to support Heritage Radio Network. And I hope you will too, and I hope you'll keep tuning in. For more information, please visit fairwaymarket.com. All right, we are back. You're listening to The Speakeasy, and my guest today is none other than Master Distiller of the Dalmore, Richard Patterson. Right before, we were talking about the spirit of the spirit (laughs) and the passion that uh, we both obviously share about uh, good whiskey. And we've been talking a while about it. Right before we took the break, we were talking a little bit about how um, these different proof levels um, coordinate with... The, the right taste and the being ready to drink. Yes. Um, what I think is interesting, it's it, like, like you said before, you know, people will mix anything with anything else. It's, it's up to them what they ultimately want to do. What it's, what our personally. job is yeah. personally and, and as industry professionals is to educate and not necessarily that we're trying to teach someone to do something or train them necessarily to do something a certain way. It's just like, here's, Here's the base of this. This is what this is. And, you know, give them the 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 platform to where they can do whatever they want with it, but hopefully they appreciate. And mostly they do. They'll they'll, they'll look for it. This is it, I, I hit it right on the nail. What I'm saying to people is this is the way I'm hoping that you can listen to, but it's entirely up to you how you want to take it to the next level. However, if you try it this way and then try it your way or try it another way, then you get to know it. And then you're looking at the money you've spent, and actually you've spent it well. Then tell your friends, because your friends possibly may not know. And you will make it a really great experience. Yeah. There was a chef buddy of mine. And I'm from Oklahoma. Uh, we're talking about Speaking of cowboys taking shots, um, there was a chef buddy of mine. I remember when I first got into the industry, and he said, sharing a meal with someone is the most romantic thing you can do. And I kind of feel the same way about sharing that experience of like a good wine, a good whiskey, a good cocktail, you know, like we're talking right now. And I think, you know, especially what I've noticed too is that in since being a bartender, it's been about 9 years or so now. Um, jeez. I I'm starting to feel old. Um, is that uh, but on that point, um, there are a lot of younger people getting into whiskeys in the way that we've all hoped that they would. You know, it, it for the longest time, it was all these mixed drinks and, like, I, I don't mean cocktails. I mean, like, mixed drinks, like something in orange juice or cranberry juice or, you know, to each their own. But, you know, nowadays we're so much more educated on what these products are. And we they're much more accessible, really. Because before, you know, if you were where I grew up, you didn't have the access to uh, a yes. good whiskey like the Dalmore. But, like, what I noticed about six, seven years ago behind the bar, uh, it just ha- it almost happened, like, in a day. I had two really beautiful ladies come into the bar, young ladies, and they both ordered scotch neat. Different scotches. Look, one of them was a, th- a Lafroy, even. You know, a right. peat bomb. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, from that day forward... It was there were young ladies and guys drinking awesome whiskey, and before it was always like 
Scotch to me was always perceived not by myself but it was always kind of thought of as like the old man trick and i always thought man i'd rather be an old man than a young boy you know? yeah but that, that was that was always been a bad perception about it's only old men because in fact younger people today especially ladies i have to say when i go to these whiskey festivals i mean if you take a whiskey festival in taiwan 41 percent of the audience now are made up of women and they really are looking at it to please their men and uh, their partners as well. But you, you mentioned in the same frame about a meal, a, a dinner. It is the most important part because time is money and that quality time is so important. But if you were to take the sort of last part of the dinner, what, what are we doing now, darling? We're going to have a creme brulee. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, the creme brulee. We're going to give you a coffee. Not just any coffee. A Nicaragua, Java, Rwanda coffee. And I want you to hold that in your mouth for at least 20 seconds. Take the first sip, the second sip. Now I'm going to give you a Dalmore. Take that in your mouth. Hold it there. Yeah, I'm really getting this. Keep it there. Swallow it. Let it go over. Now I'm going to give you a chocolate. 72% cocoa fat. What, darling? Yeah, yeah, 72%. Let it melt in your mouth. And before you know it, it melts in your mouth, it combines with the whiskey, combines, you know, with the coffee, and combines with the creme brulee. What have you got? Something unbelievable. And that's about the fusions, that's about the memory, but that's women for you, because they have said, we'll bring this all together with the fusions. Why? Because I'm a chef, I'm a cook, I'm a mixologist. But is it not the best time? How's your day been? How's your day been? And that's when you talk about it, and that's when you make all these fusions, and that's the most important part. So that is really important because that's when you can settle down with all these wonderful whiskeys and let the world go by. Absolutely. Well, I'm about to freak out if we don't try some whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) So what are we going to try first? Well, we're going to try, first of all, the Dalmore. The Dalmore Distillery, just so that you're fully aware, was established in 1839. Uh, Suzanne the Painter was born the same year. Queen Victoria fell in love with Prince Albert the same year. But in fact... Uh, this is when the distillery started by Alexander Matheson. But the Mackenzies arrived in 1867, went into full production, 1868, and they've never looked back since. So the Mackenzies are so important because some of you might not have seen this before. It's got a whacking, beautiful stag. And that relates to a painting that's in the right. National Portrait Museum of Edinburgh, the, the fury of the stag when uh, King Alexander was saved by uh, Colin Fitzgerald, chieftain of the clan Mackenzie. And because he saved the king, that's why he was allowed to use the emblem. So a mark of respect from the Mackenzie family. That's why we've got the stag on the bottle today. We have many different expressions, but the one that I brought here today is, in fact, the first of these is the 15 uh, years old. Uh, this is typical of American white oak from the Ozark Mountain Range of Missouri. Wood, as you'll see from the cast that I've got there, is so important. It gives it the nurturing. It gives it the talent to begin with. But what we want to do is take it to a higher level. So I put it into these lovely sherry butts. These are huge, big barrels that contain 600 litres. I leave five litres of the sherry in the cask. They leave Spain. They come to Scotland. By the time they get to Scotland, the pores of the wood inside have really taken all that lovely sherry, nurtured it because about 10% is kept in there. We take out the sherry. You're not allowed to add sherry to the to the actual whiskey. We empty right. it. Then we pour the whiskey into it and we leave it there for about three years, during which time it tracks that sherry. So this one here, this 15-year-old that I'm now going to uh, pour into the glass here, into the Copa Capita glass, 
uh, first thing I do is swirl it round in this glass. We, we must make sure it's in there. And then, of course, I chuck it away. Uh, nobody can see that. It's just gone over the Our door. producer's there. like, oh, man, yeah, I'm yeah. going to clean that up later. So you, you'll, you'll be able to smell that tomorrow. But when I, when I actually have done that, and, and I do this all the time, when I flick it away, that means the lip of the glass, sure, is, absolutely, the glass. is absolutely clean. And then you go back to it. You pour it in again. You hold the glass at the very bottom. You want to keep your thumb on it. Swirl it around. Bring it up and say, hello. And then you go back and say, how are you? And then you go back and say, quite well. Mm, thank you very much. Now, if your eyes go slightly funny, that means you're nosing it too aggressively. But as soon as you smell it, the alcohol, this is 40% alcohol, it will hit your nose first. Hit there first, so you go back to it, you go into the middle part, and it starts to open up like a woman's perfume, like Chanel number no. five, 21 different nuances, jasmine, Bulgarian roses, introduced 1921 by Ernest Beau for Coco Chanel. And actually, she was born on the 19th of August, 1883, same as your Brooklyn Bridge. I hope you remember that. Oh, yeah. 24th of May. So uh, <laughs> when you actually go into it, you'll start to open up. But what is so important more than anything, Damon, this is 15 years old. You've got to keep it 15 seconds in your mouth. So you put it in the mouth. Let it go over. Wait. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, mm, five, four, three, two. Mm, hello there. How are you? It starts to open up. So I'm going to pour you a little sample for yourself. I want you to hold it. But remember, when you when you actually look at this whiskey for the first time. I'm not going to throw it at the window. No, no, don't. don't, don't. <laughs> when you look at it the first time. I mean, let's do it together because let's do it the, the normal Scottish way is that wait, we take two glasses like this. We look at each other's eye and we clink glasses. Mm-hmm. We say slangiva, slangiva, which means great health. And we look at the whiskey and I want you to look at it and you're going to get the top notes. Remember that 26 different nuances? You're going to see marzipan, you're going to see cinnamon spice, but you're going to see that lovely tangerine chocolate orange, which of course is affiliated to the maturation, the American white oak and the sherry uh, taking place over that three-year period from the Methuselah, which is 30 years old, the Apostolis, which is 30 years old, Sherry, and then you get Amoroso, which it gives it that lovely softness, that real sensuality. But when you go back to it again, you're going to see that maybe ginger, you're going to see that honey note, but you're going to see that licorice note for the very first time. So put it in the mouth. Here we go. So imagine you had coffee, that Colombian Nicaragua Java coffee, then you take the whiskey and it starts to open up. Your eyes, I can see they're just absolutely shining from here. That means you're really <laughs> taking in, you're seeing the nurturing. But as you speak, it opens up more. It opens up more. That's when you suddenly say, Wait a minute, Richard, I can see things are coming through. That's when you're looking at the whiskey. And when you talk to people, you will see their eyes glowing because they're starting to think about the whiskey. So that's the 15 years old. Very soft, very gentle. Even if you compare it to the 12 years old, it's actually slightly lighter in body. It's more warm, it's central. This is not a this is not a, a fat woman. This is elegant, refined, and she's got flesh. She's got a lovely, beautiful dress in, and she's she's really radiating. That's the way this whiskey does. It radiates. So when you take that whiskey, you're holding the mouth. You've still got that um, 
situation. Let's go to the next one, uh, which is something very unusual. This is uh, the uh, King Alexander. Uh, it's got a name called King Alexander the Third, twelve sixty three, because this is relating to that stag being saved uh, all those years ago. And um, when when you sort of look at this one, uh, this is 1990, 1992 Dalmore. Let me just pour you a, okay. a little dram there. This is 1992 Dalmore, but this is actually at 40% alcohol. This has been matured in Port, Madeira, Marsala, Cabernet Sauvignon, small batch bourbon, and Matusalem oh, sherry. You get all those. You get all it's those. All that, but it opens up like a chocolate box. They're all separate. Each one is separate because the port will take five years. The Madeira Masala will take three years. And, of course, the Matusalem sherry, two and a half years. But when you look at it, smell it, you can smell it like a chocolate box opening up. Look at all these different flavors. The cedarwood, you know, uh, from the Cabernet. You can see the vanilla, the soft vanilla from the bourbon. Everything is coming there. But when you drink it at 40%, it really does open up. It's soft. It's attractive. But every time you look at the whiskey, you go back. This is what I would like to do is to talk to you all night, having a bottle of Dalmore, sitting there with some maybe some coffee, although you've had four coffees today, so you, <laughs> I better, have, I you have. better not have any more. <laughs> so, but when you drink it, when you drink it, Damon, you'll see the changes, the nurturing, the softness, the richness, and, and you're already back in Scotland. You're overlooking the Cromartie Firth. You're going to see the lovely uh, situation because you need to know where the location of the distillery is, the influence of the sea. What does Dalmore mean? It means big field, big meadowland. So that's where the barley came from. And it, it just starts to open up. But then we've gone a little bit stage further. We've uh, been working with Daniel Ballou, that uh, Michelin star chef, uh, we've created, I've been over working for nearly nine months, uh, six months intense, looking at different flavors that were uh, in his restaurant that he's always worked with. Um, this is coming in at uh, 44%. And this is now in his restaurant. Uh, this is, uh, and incidentally, just won a, a gold medal at the International Wine and Spirit Competition. But this is uh, a, a style using Muscatel, Madeira, and Port Cast. This is ones that he had... Out the 10 samples we had brought, uh, many intense tastings. This is the final ones that we put together. And then I went back to Scotland. I crafted more samples for him. And the last three were brought over, including all his uh, maitre de chez, the chef, his, his staff, all got together and said, no, this is the particular one we liked. And we bottled it. But 44%, it's got that lovely muscatel uh, Lovely flavor, but this is what goes with coffee. This is the last whiskey to consume. Yeah, it's yeah, absolutely. And, and you know what's what's cool about this too? It, first of all, I, I like that it's forty four percent. I feel like the the standard right is about forty three percent for most. Yeah, forty forty three. Forty Yeah, but this is uh, I like, but it doesn't really. You don't get like too much more heat on the. No, no, because I remember this is the last thing at night. I want yeah. you to take this with coffee. I want you to relax. I don't want you to uh, hurry this whiskey. Mm -hmm. You're going to get the bill soon, so why don't we just, you know, really savor it. tight. You know, sit there, and this is what he's created. This is what he wants. He's a real craftsman. He handcrafts all his dishes. Beautiful fusion of flavors. But when you see this whiskey, really opens up. Spicy to begin with. But then it opens up 
seductive tones of the muscatel, the port wine, which is just beautiful, tawny aged ports. And then you've got that lovely sensuality of the Madeira all coming. But you don't think about it. Just think about it as the single malt whiskey from Dalmore, from the north of Inverness. This is something linger and, you know, life's pretty good. Absolutely. I'm 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 extremely happy. (laughs) And what a great way to uh, end the show with this amazing whiskey. And this is, I think what's really cool about about this is like the collaboration, you know? Yeah. Because to me, uh, one of the big things that I like to preach, I I hope I don't get too preachy, but uh, the relationship between the front and back of the house. Yes. Chefs, drinks. Yeah, now they they should be working hand in hand as this does. Yeah, I mean he's a great chef. He, he's uh, within I think thirty seconds. I love the guy, not not because of his name, because of his personality, because of yeah. his sheer and utter passion and dedication for creating the best food for his clients, and that's what he wanted to do. He looked at this as the same dish. This is a whiskey that's going to have my name on it, and I want it to be perfect. And that's why he only settled for the very best at the end of the day. Absolutely. Well, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show today. And you know what? I might just follow you out of the studio. You've got all these great whiskeys with you in your bag. Uh, so uh, I, next time you're in town, please come back. I'd love to come back. Thank you very much indeed for having me. Absolutely. Remember, love makes the worst world go round. No, rubbish. Whiskey <laughs> makes it go round, but twice as fast. Don't forget that. Oh, man. Well, I've had a hell of a time on the show today. Um that's it. I wish we had more time, but unfortunately, uh, you know, we can't. But uh, I'm going to sit here and finish this whiskey in the studio with Richard Patterson and uh, not go too fast with it. I'm going to sit here, enjoy it, and then look forward to next week. That's it for the Speakeasy today. I'm Damon Bolte. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.